0: Welcome into another episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. I'm your host, Blythe Brimleave, and since July, I've been planning a road series to conduct interviews with everyone from executives to creators within the logistics industry. It's been a chance for me to move those digital first conversations that I've been doing over the last year and cultivate those lessons learned in the digital first environment to an in-person conversational environment and the difference between the two has been dramatic. As sort of a peek behind my content creation workflow, I typically over-prepare, like, by a lot. But what I quickly learned during this process is that interviews don't need to be as structured when you're sitting face-to-face with someone and simply having a conversation. All of this to say that conversations like what you're about to hear in this episode are as genuine as they come. No questions were off limits and no scripts were read. Just people within the freight world sharing their experiences that hopefully you can pull a little insight from and apply it to your business. In this episode, we're talking about the flood of technology that has hit the logistics market and how it can make or break a company should they choose the wrong provider. But how do you know what technology is right for your business? That's what our guest Mike Mulqueen of JBF Consulting is breaking down in today's episode. So I hope y'all enjoy. So welcome into another episode of Cyberly Hits the Road. And right now I am joined by Mike Mulqueen. Did I say that right? You did. Awesome. Yes. First for me of JBF Consulting. He is the partner over at JBF Consulting. And uh, we're here at uh, Ignite hosted by PCS Software. How does it feel to be back at a conference again?
1: It is great. Um, I think everybody is so fed up with Zoom meetings at this point. (laughs) That actually being able to interact with people in real time, have Absolutely. a beer with them, you know that that's it. it we mentioned this in in our, in our panel discussion. That our space, the logistic space, is just so much about relationship building, right? Being able to to put a, a face to a name and 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 really interact with people more. Um, Than just through the screen. I think I, I, so I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good conference. I think a lot of, a lot of interesting insights.
0: And and definitely just the education that you get from it. I I was just sitting, just came from, from lunch and those conversations that you have with seemingly perfect strangers and you all can relate to one thing. And that's that the the problems within the industry, the solutions that we're all working towards and, and, and how do we get there faster? And and, and I wish I had microphones sitting at that round table and, and each of the lunches of every day of this conference, because you just can't replicate
1: those on a Zoom meeting. You're, you're, and and the, the domain is so deep, Which, which is at a cocktail party we are the worst people to be sitting next to because we we're like so passionate. Oh, our truckload utilization is way up. And, you know, everybody else just runs away at the party. But here, it's like, oh, tell me how, why, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing around the driver attention? What are you doing around your assets? What are you doing around X? And it just, uh it, it does lead to really interesting conversations. Just at lunch right now, um, I'd worked, while I was with Accenture, I'd worked with, uh the Postal Service was my primary client, and I was sitting right next to just randomly a guy that hauls mail for the U.S. Postal Service, and we talked about all the good, bad, and ugly associated with that business. So, again um – at a cocktail party, talking about HCRs and and uh, P and DCS and all the other acronyms that the U.S. Postal Service uses probably wouldn't go over too well. But here it was like, wow,
0: <laughs> finally someone understands the yes. things that I'm talking about. <laughs> when you say OTR and, 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 and from DC to DC, and it's like, no, we're not talking about uh, Washington DC. It's, 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 it's,
1: <laughs> from DC to DC, yeah, right. that's not.
0: Yeah distribution center for those who, who yes. don't know. Um, so so let's go into a little bit about your career. W- what's your background and, and, and how did it lead you to, to opening up JBF?
1: Yeah, well, actually I didn't open up. Um, I am a partner with JBF. Um, uh, JBF was founded back in 2003 by Brad Forrester. Um, I joined in 2015. I had known Brad from way back in the day. So my career started in 1989 mm-hmm. with um, It was a subsidiary called Roadnet Technologies that was acquired by UPS, hmm. um, and UPS acquired them initially because they wanted technology back in '89 to help them route package cars. Well, the technology wasn't really good at routing package cars, but it was good at managing fleets that do wholesale distribution, food service, and all that. So Roadnet spun off this subsidiary company, uh, or spun up this subsidiary company. It ultimately became UPS Logistics Technologies. So anyway, I was I was there for for the beginning of my career, and really primarily working in that private fleet space, kind of local regional type of routing. And, uh, so, so that kind of got me hooked. I think, you know, once you've worked in transportation for a couple of years, you either become hooked or you never want to see another truck again. Right. (laughs) Um, so, but I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I then moved over to a, uh, a shipper based, uh, supply chain company called Managistics. Uh, Managistics ultimately was acquired by JDA Blue Yonder Panasonic, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's down that path right now, but, um, uh, there I did kind of large-scale TMS implementations for shippers. So my clients were IBM, and we were helping move main, you know, doing uh, op- optimization on moving their mainframes back in the day, right? Um, uh, Hershey Foods, um, uh, Perrier, so a bunch of relatively large truckload shippers. Uh, and, and again, it was just a really fascinating these, the, 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 problems and the magnitude of the problems. Cause a lot of these guys, hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred million hundred, 200, 300, $500 million of freight spend and everything was on paper back then. Oh. Again, think of this is 19. I joined Managistics in 1995, right? Makes so sense. this is the very beginning, kind of the, the beginning of, of, of complex optimization and decision support and things like that. So, um, ultimately I was there for about n- a nine or 10 years. I went back to, to UPS. I went back to grad school. Um, and, uh, I came out and I went to Accenture. Anyway, so, but always doing the exact same thing, essentially, just different, um, different, um, views into it, right? Mm-hmm. So I was a software guy for a long time. I was a consultant for a while. I was a user of the technology while I was at, I was director of transportation at CNS, also Grocers for a bit. Um, so kind of from these different perspectives, you know, you start kind of learning, oh gosh, you know, this, these are the big bit problems and this is what we really need to solve. So then, um, just prior to joining JBF, um, I was with Manhattan Associates. I was uh, head of the uh, product management for their TMS and their yard management systems. Um, and uh, back in 2015, I decided, you know, I, again, I had known Brad from the main logistics days back in the late 90s, so I decided to join Brad uh, at JBF. And, and I get to do what I like to do, right? So I love technology, but doing actually implementation work is really hard, and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I like to do kind of more strategy work, right? right? Which is way easier. I like to do PowerPoints. It's just like fun, right? Right. Um, so I, I would I, I own the, uh, the the Blueprint practice, and, and the Blueprint practice is essentially. So we work again. Our primarily, we're working with shippers, some three pls, but primarily it's shippers, and they have problems, right? So they have transportation problems. They may have problems with their private fleet or or dedicated fle- or what you know all all of the things that your listeners are going to be intimately familiar with if if they're a shipper. And they come to us because oftentimes they either have no technology or they have obsolete technology or the technology is just not working the way they want it to. So we help them define kind of a long-term strategy. What are the capabilities that we need to be successful? Um, we help them identify vendors like PCS hmm. um, that we think are viable uh, candidates to actually really help and, and, and solve these problems. Uh, we lead them through the RFP process, and then we have a separate part of the JBF team that actually does the implementation. They do all the hard work. I get all the credit for right, the cool so stuff. Right, so you, you,
0: you get to do the fun stuff. I do and the then. fun. Yeah,
1: then I turn it over <laughs> to them. Here you go. Um, but but it, it's good for us because it, it creates accountability mm-hmm. in my process, right? Because we need to make sure that ultimately what we're recommending and what we're having the shipper do um, is good for their business, and our team is there while we're doing this implementation. Um, so we have kind of, you know, we helped you make the decision and we're going to make we're going to be there to live live with you as we go through the process. It's not like you just
0: leave them out to dry as soon as you make the sale and it's like okay, this is what you do and bye, next yeah. customer.
1: And the implementation even the best implementations are difficult. They are um you know, we have integration, uh, tons of integration things that we need to do. There's tons of change management. There's there's all kinds of hurdles. Mm-hmm. There's gaps that we did not anticipate happening. So we're there to to kind of hold your hand some some um, some leaders are very well-versed in enterprise implementations and some are not, and they don't understand the ups and downs of these implementations, so we're a calming force during that. And uh, so we help you uh, live up to the expectations of my desired and state blueprinting practice as, as you go about the implementation.
0: And so you're here, and obviously you're here to talk about technology and a few other hot button issues. With your experience in technology, especially on the strategy side, where do you think that most companies are messing up as far as you know, looking at the market and making that decision on what they're actually going to purchase that fits well into their their day to day business operations?
1: Yeah, it's well. First off, I, I think that some of the organizations mess up by not doing their initial homework and understanding what their desired end state is. Mm. What are the capabilities that we truly need? And this oftentimes requires alignment with the C-suite. How are we going to grow the business? Are we going to grow internationally? Which then has implications for my technology. My, my technology needs to work in Europe or LATAM or whatever those growth areas are going to be. I'm going to now go and, and, and generate a B2C uh, sales channel that I never had before. Okay, that now has last mile. It may have courier or parcel implications. So I think that kind of really understanding... What you really, really need before you go out to market. Mm. Too many, you know, and I don't like to, to slam it because Gartner does some fantastic work, right? And, and, sure. and we, we rely on the Gartner MQ just like everybody else does. But simply relying on the MQ and grabbing somebody in the upper right quadrant and saying, well, they're going to be our TMS without really understanding what that TMS is good at. Because mm. we have one magic quadrant that is going to be used for DuPont, for Exxon, for Cargill, for Hershey, for Cisco food. I mean, it's, these are completely different companies, completely different models, completely different things that they care about. And one chart, it does not do justice to all the, the, the nuances of the industry verticals and, and, and what we need to be able to accomplish. Um, so I think that that probably is, is the biggest thing that, that I see, that um, kind of over-reliance on analysts without mm. without putting in the hard work and the due diligence to truly understand what you need.
0: And that's when a situation that maybe a company hasn't has has hasn't done their due diligence and then they go through and they waste a ton of time and they probably waste a ton of time or money as well. And then it leads to a situation where they have to spend more money and more time to even rectify the situation.
1: That, that, that I couldn't have said it better. I mean, that, and that's the problem, right? So, and oftentimes, um, JBF is brought in, you know, we like to be brought in at the front end. Hmm. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're brought in to clean up the mess. Hmm. And oftentimes the mess is we picked the wrong, the the company picked the wrong software and ripping out that's a shipper based TMS system is extremely sticky, right? And it's sticky because of all the integrations that you need to build um, all of the training that you need. It touches just so many different pieces. It touches your yard. It touches your warehouse management system. It integrated to your ERP. If you have a fleet, it's touching your all these different pieces. It is super hard to rip out a bad decision, Hmm. right? Especially you're, you made that commitment and it's hard. Technically, it's hard from a personnel perspective and it's hard politically because somebody signed a big check. Somebody had a business case and said, and we think uh, we should use vendor X, Y, Z, and this is why. And when it doesn't work, hmm. um, there's a lot of egg on people's faces. That, and, and that egg can be almost career-ending if if not handled well.
0: With a lot, of, a, a big theme from this week is, is the power of collaboration. And, and you're mentioning the, this, this shipper software that, that has a lot of different integration capabilities. Are, are there instances where you're seeing better collaboration with some of the more specialized vendors that then integrate into the main TMS or are, are, are there, is there still a long way to go?
1: No, that, 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 that is, and, and it's and it's it is a mindset right it's a mindset change that we've seen in the last 15 20 years or so so when I was first product manager of the TMS system I tried to be everything to everybody having every module and if you think about transportation right so you have what are the different sub processes you have procurement you have potentially what if modeling you have inbound planning you have the planning of the outbound and the sto the 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 the, the internal transfers you have freight settlement you have visibility and exception management you have reporting you have all of these different components and trying to be good at every one of those components was a fool's errand mm-hmm. you could not and and then we would run into you know just like these spot vendors and they were passionate about visibility or they were passionate about dispatch or fleet routing in the secondary network whatever it would be they were good at it they were better than us at it and so our our sales pitches well we have we you know we may not have the the depth, but we have the breadth and it's going to be easier to enter blah, blah, blah. It's baloney. Um so ultimately, I think I think the mindset in the last maybe five, six, seven years or so has been to build out a best in class logistics ecosystem. Hmm. Let's find a best in class YMS provider. Right? PCS has a YMS and there's some other YMSs out there as well. Um, let's find a best in class one as opposed to somebody that dabbles in it as a hobby. And a lot of the suite providers dabble in, in YMS or they dabble in fleet. A lot of the, the big-name fle- uh, TMS guys that um, your, your listeners may may know and use are horrible at doing last-mile fleet, right? They're, they're just not good at that. They don't have a good dispatching. They don't have integration to the ELD. Um, so those are the pieces now. We've seen this kind of mindset, and I talk with, you know, I, I, we, we know everybody in the in the TMS space, and we've been talking with these guys, and this interoperability of applications is becoming... Um, kind of a a must have. Mm. We, you know, we know that uh, TMS XYZ just does not have the ability to do complex routing in a grocery environment, right? But there's providers out there that do it really, really well. So I have my backbone concept, which would be the backbone TMS provider. And then I have this satellite of little applications that would sit around fleet maintenance, dispatch, routing, payment, visibility, exception management, all of that stuff that kind of will sit. Um, so that is I, I think that that has been a key mindset change where focus on what you're really really good at and build the interoperability with key partners mm. that that build out that solution and and that's one of the things we do like is don't rely on system integrators to build out that capability. If you are in Manhattan, work with project 44 or four kites or um, McLeod or whomever it's going to be that is really really good at a specific function and then bundle together a platform that does, all of the necessary capabilities that our shippers are looking
0: for. It almost sounds like, uh, have you ever seen Minority Report where Tom Hanks,
1: or not Tom Hanks, um, but Tom
0: Cruise has the gloves on and he's pulling together all of these different scenes in order to, to, to figure out what happened right. with the crime. That's what it feels like <laughs> with a lot of these different tools is that you're just yeah. trying to piece together the things that are going to make the most sense and, and, and be able to, to have the company be able to, to run efficiently, yeah. um, like they envision. Because one of my biggest issues with a lot of these, uh, Messes out there is that they they say they do marketing. I, I you know I come from the marketing world and and they say oh well, we have a CRM or we have an email marketing tool and it's like yeah. no you don't. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very limited at it, yeah. best and right. and I would I wish that these platforms would really uh, start, start to really hone in on on what are your most profitable carriers or your, your most profitable lanes, uh, uh, your, your customers. Which ones yeah. are, are, are treating your drivers the best? Like you know things like that 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 could really help out on the marketing side of things, but I feel like marketing is almost just, uh, it's, it's swan songs playing the tiny, uh, violin off to the side. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's, you know, I like the concept that you know people are saying this more, stay in your lane. Hmm. You, you know, these, these organizations are, they built capabilities and they've been successful because they, they stayed in their lane and they were really, really good at it. And if peripheral capabilities come along and people are really passionate about a specific area, um, CRM within, within a, a carrier TMS, um, let them do that and 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 then build that into your capabilities right. um but don't try to build everything you don't have enough developers you do not have probably oftentimes we didn't have the level of subject matter expertise within our development organizations to build out a really good procurement solution right or whatever it would be so um yeah so so that i i think is um uh, it's it's a nice mind shift paradigm shift mm-hmm. from a from a vendor perspective to say okay guys We are not going to be everything to everybody. We are going to partner with the best in class and we're going to come with a logistics platform pre-integrated. Now, again, we're not there yet for a lot of the capabilities. There's a lot of work for system integrators. We still, you know, on the implementation side, we're essentially, that's a lot of our work is system integration. Hmm. Um, There's a lot of work to do there, but I think that that is um, that interoperability. And that was a big theme of this conference. Uh, I think that that was a spot on uh, sentiment.
0: Now for for one of your your panels that you you had it was called tomorrow is today the rapid acceleration of tech innovation for logistics and staying Power, staying relevant in a changing industry. What were some of the, uh, the the key takeaways from the the panel that you thought were insightful
1: that you're going to you know, use you know, in, in the know. future? Um you know, one of the things, you know, being a consultant, um I am very when I hear buzzwords without any without any meat behind them mm-hmm. And, and just, I'm a cynical, dubious Irishman, right? I, I, I do not like any of that <laughs> stuff, right? Um, but when I hear that stuff, <clears throat> I roll my eyes. And in this case here, we had, you know, there was two providers on there. Um, first off, PCS was involved, um, and the new CTO of PCS, which, you know, he was fabulous. And then, um, somebody from Parade AI, uh, a company that AI is their, like, in their name, right? And, and they laid out business cases that I thought were really compelling around machine learning. Um, and again, we, we keep hearing, from salespeople about machine. Oh, we incorporate machine learning and MLAI and blah, 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 blah. Um, well, okay. Give me a use case. These guys actually gave good use cases, right? They really gave some really insightful things. And, and one of the things I, I took away from it, it was really incumbent upon the solution providers to develop that MLAI capability almost hidden from the user. Right, I have no idea how YouTube knows what video I want to watch hmm. next, but it does a pretty damn good job of guessing.
0: Right, right. Well, real quick, what was the MLA? Wh- machine
1: learning, artificial intelligence. Oh, I'm you. sorry, okay, yeah, okay. it's been such a buzzword. <laughs>
0: right. I mean, when, you hear AI, but I, that, that was a new one for me—a new acronym that I that I yeah. learned today.
1: So, uh, if, if, if in, in the hierarchy, you, you kind of start off with artificial intelligence, and then ML is ML is is kind of specific. Um, very specific um, subcomponents hmm. of AI where you're solving a very, very, uh, very specific problem. Like what video do I want to watch next? Right. And again, it's looking at history, but then it's looking at potentially inputs and in transportation from other sources. So we talked about how ML could be used. Machine learning could be used um, for routing by taking into account things that we never historically have taken into account. You know, we can look at history and how long it actually takes to drive from point A to point B or how long it actually takes to make a delivery at, at the, at the home Depot. Um, so we can we can we can do things like that, but um, there were interesting use cases that, that involved weather, that, it, that involved rates, right? The, the rates are, are constantly changing. Do I use my fleet or do I use a four-hire carrier? And the ability to use both internal historical information as well as external information to help drive our decision-making process. All of a sudden, I started getting use cases that were real. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I, I brought up: don't make your customers do this. Don't expect your customers to have a data science team. You guys as software vendors, as the technologists out there, as the guys with the PhDs from from Caltech, you guys need to figure out how to do this and just embed this in the logic.
0: Why don't you think that education is more of a priority for some of these companies? I, I would think that that should be at the forefront of, of your your software offering and it seems like there, there's there's a lot of webinars, but I don't know that there's a lot of uh, uh, putting the the information in digestible chunks. Uh, say like on, on on social media, for example, that is sort of a new concept for for people to put videos out on social media. The education seems to be lacking.
1: I think I think you're right. Um, in, in all levels, including just basic application education. I was talking with again at lunchtime today. I was talking with with a shipper, and um, they were just really just trying to generate reports. Hmm. Help me generate reports. Um. And 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 the software vendor after he said four meetings they finally said we don't really have a manual um, you can have you can pay for some training that we'll do so again the, the, this company was using the training and and the ignorance of their customer base and I, I don't use that in a pejorative meaning but the ignorance of their of, of their customer base to drive revenue for their training group which I thought was was horrible right mm-hmm. so I see you know some of the legacy guys the guys that have been around twenty years or whatever. It was around feature function. It wasn't around usability. It wasn't around getting the most out of the application. It was, shame on me, when I was a product manager, I was around check marks. When I get an RFP, I want to make sure that I can check every one of those, yes, I can do this, right? Um, I didn't care about usability. Um, I didn't really care necessarily about the depth of the capability. I just wanted to, the last thing I wanted to do was say no to something, because right. that's what everybody's going to focus on. So I think that the next generation... You know, I get a lot of money's going in to software right now. Logistics tech software. Um, McKinsey just did a study comparing 2019 to 2014 in terms of VC money. 17 to one. Wow. We were spending 17 or VCs are, are funding 17 times more than they were just in 2014. So with all of that money, we are now getting really nice UIs They really, for, and, and then also from, from a training perspective, I think these companies are just, they're used to YouTube. They're used to YouTube as a means to not just market, but also to perform training, all those different pieces. And I think that things will get better along those lines as, you know, the guys, my age, that don't, they don't like to do podcasts. (laughs) Um, the guys, my age, um, as we die out or whatever we do, um, Uh, and, and the younger generation, I think that the, the social media platforms, the training, all of that content will now be readily available online.
0: Well, well. Speaking of content, you, you guys actually put together a, a really great list of, of some of the top shows in supply chain and logistics. And and you know, speaking of of the platforms that have risen over the last sort of, I guess probably two years, but definitely over the last year since COVID. Yeah. Um, what what was the motivation to put together that list?
1: It was education, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, we. It, it, it feels like oftentimes, especially before all these podcasts, information was, um, you had to really look for it, right? Or come they, to they, a conference. Or come to a conference. And, and again, you, you, you know, I, I came to this conference and there's three things happening at every time. I'm missing two of them. And yes. they were like great ones, right? <laughs> right. So, um, but but it, it was really, really around trying to, to get people, to, everybody on the same page. You know, we, we speak a certain way. We have a certain point of view. And I think oftentimes our point of view is v- really probably better represented by you guys mm-hmm. than it is by us. You know, we, we immediately go into the details and whatever. But you guys, uh, have a bigger audience. You guys are, are talking. You're setting the discussion. Mm-hmm. And, and we like that discussion that's happening. We think it benefits our business. So that's why we put together that top, that, that top list. Um, cause we want, we want, educated, sophisticated, especially on the shipper side. We we want people to be really sophisticated. I don't want people to fall for,
0: um,
1: all, all the stuff that's out there. You know, we, we know Silicon Valley, we know all the money that's coming in and we know the, the fake it until you make it concepts. Right. So we want really sophisticated people. We want people that are, can, can, can listen to the, the podcasts, understand what's going on. And, um, and make the right decisions mm-hmm. for their business.
0: And now switching gears a little bit to, to more of you and, and, and your personal outlook and, and, and perception for, for the next year. What, what's something that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking about 12 months ago?
1: Oh gosh. Um, that's, I wasn't prepared for that question. Oh, no. What am I thinking about today <laughs> that I wasn't thinking about? 12? I months think collaboration
0: ago? is probably the bigger one for me from, from this week. Collaboration and education yeah. are, are some of the bigger
1: ones. Yeah. Um, and, because ultimately, you know, again, we, we kind of get into the weeds a little bit. And, and as we're building out these ecosystems, one of the big areas that we've run into is, um, single source of truth, um, and, and a layer that sits on top of the ecosystem, right? So let's say I have my, tra- again, chipper-based system, a transportation management system. I have all those satellite applications that are sitting around it. I may have a, a, an enterprise data warehouse, but if I'm really trying to get a single view, a single dashboard look into what's happening with my transportation operations, as well as my distribution operations and my yard operations, and perhaps an SNOP process, I need to have something that sits on top. And as I go out and I do my desired end-state work, I can build all the blocks, but that is the piece that is missing. It, it is the piece that synthesizes all the data, normalizes all the data, puts it into into a single view for my users. Um, that is a piece that I've been surprised by the market that it doesn't have a better answer for right now. There are a couple vendors that I think that I have some hope for. Mm. Um, but but that is probably the, the, the biggest disappointment. I, th- I thought that some of the control tower type of things that, that some of the software companies are talking about were more mature than they are, but they're not. So, um, so that, that is, that's certainly a big piece and, and, and the, the big data stuff. And again, I, I, I've, I've been a proponent of big, I, I love data, right? Um, even though I, I, hate doing implementation, I like, I like playing with data. <laughs> I like, I like coming up with numbers and business cases. Um, but that data and, 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 clean data and data that I can find insights from, um, that continues to be a struggle. The TMS providers, um, PCS potentially excluded from this. So, um, given they, they paid for my coffee, um, <laughs> are horrible at, at mm-hmm. reporting and analytics. And, and we need to do a better job of that. But I, I think
0: that you, you hit the nail on the head because there, we, there's so much data, but you can only do so much with it. What, what's that next step that you can take to put it in context for, for folks who don't have time to yeah. sit through and, and try to figure out what their analytics reports are, are saying. It's, yeah. it's just help people understand the data and what business steps to take after they get
1: the data. Data by itself is useless. I mean, you, you need to be able to find actionable insights from the data. Mm-hmm. And first off, you need to be able to have a data source that you can trust, which is, it seems so easy. It seems so simple. But I go back, I, I'm working with another client right now, and they just gave me data. I can't use that data. I have, I'm i going to have to spend weeks cleaning this data up to come up with real insights. Otherwise, my insights that I'm going to provide are completely wrong. Absolutely. Um, so, it, it, it is a huge problem. Um, and, and it's, gosh, it's been a problem ever since I started. Why can't we fix this problem? And it, it it's easier said than done. But, uh, it really is, especially in the, in, in the web
0: marketing analytics world where it's something like 43% of all internet traffic is bot related. And so when I get handed a bunch of a, a, analytic reports, I'm like, I can't do anything with this yeah. because it's all bad data. Right.
1: At least you know it. See, right. And, 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 that, and that's a value in it just of itself. Otherwise, you're going to go down some rabbit hole and spend millions of dollars. And, right. Well, never mind. a bunch of bots from Romania. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. They, they just, uh, affected your entire marketing yeah, campaign and now yeah. uh, you can't do anything with it. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, uh, for, for the listeners, where can, uh, what, what do you have next on the horizon? Anything you want to share with us or, or where can people follow more of your work?
1: Um, well, we, uh, uh, we are relatively active, not nearly as active as you, but we're as active as we probably should be on LinkedIn. Um, but we do a, a lot there, so we'd uh, uh, we, we'd love for you to uh, follow JBF Consulting. Um, that would be fabulous. We have a, a website that has our use cases. But, again, our, our, our main goal here is to align shippers with the vast array of technology choices that are out there right now. So if there are any shippers in your market or 3PLs, That are listening, and and they're just they're a little bit overwhelmed because right now there's just a huge proliferation of technology providers out there funded by Silicon Valley, and and a lot of them are not real. I shouldn't say they're not real, but there's three guys, you know, in 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 the basement. which is fine. That's how, that's how you build. That's how you can start a company, um, but it, it is super confusing right now. So, if you feel kind of overwhelmed by the tech, the, the technology, the free technology space, and you're looking for a little bit of guidance, even even just you know, we, we do kind of free thirty minute phone calls mm-hmm. with with organizations as well. Um, go to the jbf consulting dot website, schedule something, and we'd be glad to talk to you.
0: Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great perspective. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website, digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, then I think you'll love another show that I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, tech, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on FreightWaves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you. You can find them in the show notes or again, over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust and rely on folks like yourself that will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Bremleve and I will see you real soon.